Jesus. You're so good. Thank you for your freedom. I just declare your freedom here in the name of Jesus. Let your love that Kathy was talking about just fill the space and wash everything else away. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Amen. All right, so this morning I'm going to be talking about Isaiah 61. How many of you recognize uh, the, just the portion, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me? Yeah, I'm going to be talking about that portion this morning. And this was Isaiah who was a prophet, and he was talking about uh, the time when Israel was in captive uh, in a captive place with Babylon. So they had been taken from their land and brought to Babylon. And they were slaves. They were not free. They didn't have their own homes. You know, they were told what to do. They did not have freedom. And just for a minute while I read Isaiah 61, it's a little bit long. <laughs> Trek with me if you can. And, uh, and just for a moment, imagine that you have been for either your entire life or a portion of your life, you have been in that place where you've not had your own home, you've been a slave, you've not been free, you've been captive. I don't, it's hard even for my mind to grasp what that would be like, but just for a moment, imagine that. And I'm going to read Isaiah 61, okay? The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And they shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the ruined cities. They're talking about their land, their own land that they're going to go back to. The desolations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and the sons of the foreigners shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. But you shall be named the priests of the Lord. They shall call you the servants of our God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. And instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. I love that double honor part. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery for burnt offering. I will direct their work in truth and will make them an everlasting covenant. Their descendants shall be known among the Gentiles and their offspring among the people. All who see them shall acknowledge them that they are the posterity whom the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with a robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its bud, as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. So if you were a slave and you were in a place of captivity and someone spoke a message like that to you, 
Wouldn't that be amazing? Wow. Double honor instead of the shame that I've been living in my whole life. You wouldn't even know what that was like to have my own land, but to, to possess double. Wow. Like, what a message. What a beautiful message. It's like in the movie, The Orphan Annie. Remember the, the play or the movie, Annie? And this orphan who's been, you know, in this orphanage, no one cared, was treated really bad. And then to be taken care of and loved and appreciated to live and to be the daughter of the wealthiest man in America. It'd be something like that. I loved that movie growing up. It really ministered to the orphan in me. <laughs> I want Daddy Warbucks for my dad. Anyway, but he is. We have the Lord. He is our dad. So, so, you know, for us, this is just a picture of what the Lord has done in us. You know, we all once were slaves. We all once were captive, in a sense, to sin and death. And the Lord saved us. He took us out of that completely. And, you know, some of us who have been raised in the church like me, you know, I knew what it was like to be loved by parents who loved God. And so I was, you know, treated, you know, according to that. And so I knew that. But even then I walked away from the Lord for a number of years and, and then came back to him and realized how amazing he is and how worth it it is to be in a relationship with him, how he had set me free. Some areas where I really struggled when I was away from him, I was like, wow, I can be myself again. I don't have to rely on these outward things that I was relying on before because I'm and myself, I'm free, I'm confident, I have love. He loves me. Wow. It was a whole new revelation, even though I had grown up with that. And, and for me to remember that is really powerful. But sometimes in our Christian walk and in our walk with God, you know, there are struggles that we still have. You know? There are things that we still deal with. There are, are times when it doesn't feel so glorious, and I don't necessarily feel completely free. You know, we have parts of us and inside of us that still might struggle. For example, if you were, you know, a woman, let's say, who had a really abusive dad or perhaps an abusive stepdad, and maybe all these people who are men in your life treated you badly, you might have a relationship with the Lord, and you might be walking in that relationship and love him and have chosen him, and you are saved. But when it comes to men, sometimes trust goes out the window, You know what I mean? There still can be a wrestling and a struggling with some areas in our hearts. Say you grew up really poor and money was always an issue. You know, money was difficult. And I love the Lord and I know in my head he provides for me, but sometimes when it's financially tough, my trust goes out the window. And that's, those are, you know, signals to us and those are areas of us that are still being worked on by the Lord. And sometimes when it all hits at once, (laughs) times can be tough. But what we have is a hand from the Lord and the truth in his word to lead us through those situations. So we have him and we're not lost. But there are still times when we're in what I like to call like kind of like a prison in that part of our heart. We're sometimes still captive. When I read Isaiah 61, I'm like, wow, this is really good for me to hear. (laughs) Even though I'm free in him, still there's parts of me that really need to hear about how he's setting me free. Because we're in process. It's a process of sanctification. It's okay to be on that process. We are not always completely complete. But we will be. We will be one with him. And uh, Jesus, that's why we do healing and restoration. That's why we take people through a process of healing the wounds from the past, because that is where we get set free. But Jesus said in John 17, 
My prayer is not for them alone. This is a scripture we keep mentioning. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. He's not talking about just his disciples, but all who will believe in him, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, that we'd be one and unified in each other, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. And so Jesus is calling us into unity and oneness with him. And as he conquers every part of our heart that doesn't completely have that freedom yet, we become more and more one with the Lord. And how many of you have experienced where maybe you have had a struggle in a certain area, and then you are like, wow, God set me free from that. I am now closer to him. Have you ever had that happen? It's so amazing. I just find those times to be so full of um, just excitement and growth, and I just can tell I'm not the same as I was five years ago, and we're all on that path. But I want to talk about three types of those, like, prisons or areas of that our hearts still might be captive, in a sense. Three areas, and um, I'm borrowing this from Stephanie Jones, who uh, spoke on unity at New Day South Carolina a few weeks ago, and I highly recommend going on their website and listening to those sermons. She talked on unity for two or three weeks. And this part really stuck out to me, and it really fit with what I'm saying. And I, I just asked her, hey, can I use that? And she was like, anytime, take it. No problem. So I'm going to talk about these three areas. They're pain, pride, and shame. And we can be in a prison called pride. We can be in a little prison called shame in a certain part of our heart. And it can keep us from total freedom. And, and I'm going to talk about each one for a moment. This is really similar to what Joe was saying when the disciples were so afraid and they were in their upper room. And Jesus just walked through the walls. You know, he comes into our prisons. Uh, pain is the first one. And, and pain wants to keep anything from touching it. When you get hurt in a certain spot, you protect that thing, don't you? You put a Band-Aid on it. (laughs) You do something to it to protect it. You don't want anyone to hurt it. And when I was in sixth grade, I was running home from school, and I saw a friend of mine, and I turned back, and I was running to her because I wanted to say hi. And as I was running, it was really embarrassing. I, I tripped and fell in a mud puddle. It had been raining. And my hand, you know, kind of braced my fall. And I had this serious abrasion. My whole palm of my hand was just ripped up. And there were little rocks and dirt and all kinds of stuff in it. I'm sorry. That's so gross. Um, but as I looked, I was just like, ah, and I was really embarrassed. I think I was more embarrassed than hurting at that moment. And then it turned to hurt after the embarrassment faded. And uh, I went home, and my sister was there, and she was holding my hand under the running water of the sink, and it was just like there's no way this stuff is going to get out. This is so deep in, in all these parts of my hand. And I did not want anyone touching that. <laughs> this running water might be okay, but no one's touching this, and I don't know how I'm going to get this dirt out. And um, uh, I ended up having to go to the doctor. Um, but no one wants that pain to be touched. And when we're hurt in a way that is deep and intense or whatever, if we run into situations that all look the same and those situations cause us pain, we're not going to go into them again. We're going to hide. We're going to stay tight in our little prison. And we're going to build some walls around it, and we're going to protect it because we don't want to get hurt again. We're afraid we're going to get hurt again. And, and those are the times, especially when we don't know the Lord or we don't realize we need to forgive So unforgiveness can set in and bitterness can set in. And when bitterness sets in, there is some sourness that happens inside ourselves. We might not respond in a a loving way in situations. And 
And that can be a hardening also. And so our prison becomes this little fortress that no one can touch. And we don't have the love of Jesus in there. And that is one of the things that the Lord is standing at the door of our prison. Because we're Christians, the door, the door of the prison is open. We just stay in there sometimes. But Jesus is standing at the open door. When he said, behold, I stand at the door and knock, he's standing at the door of our prisons, and he's knocking and asking us to come out. He's extending lovingly his hand to us that we will walk out of it with him, knowing that he is not one to be feared. Sometimes we feel like he might be someone we need to fear, and God can work through that as well. But we need to walk out of our prisons Pride. Pride is the second one. This is what caused the angel Lucifer to fall, and he was he became Satan and uh, the enemy of God. And he uh, that that sin of pride it divides, it separates us from each other and from God. It's a feeling of superiority, being better than others. And you might have the feeling I don't need anyone, or I don't need other people, and I don't need God. And that can keep us from feeling like if you don't need God, if you don't need anyone, you're definitely not going to walk out of that prison, you know. And we, we need to be clothed in humility that we will walk out, that we will take the Lord's hand, and that we will let him um, bring us into freedom. And sometimes pain, pride, and shame can be wrapped around each other as well. Um, you might have pain, and you might feel like, I don't need anyone, and that sense of pride, you know. Shame, it hides from love. And we see this in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned. The first sin that happened, they had perfect intimacy, perfect unity with God. And when they sinned, you know, then they realized they were ashamed and they were naked. And they hid. It says in the Bible that they heard the Lord walking in the cool of the day. And they were afraid and they noticed that they were ashamed and they hid. So shame will hide from love. And when we have that feeling of there's something wrong with me, we will hide, and especially in certain parts of our life, you know, we can hide. And then what, what also it does is they were afraid, so they hid. So shame fears, and shame also controls. And, and so the, the hiding is what we do sometimes. We control our circumstances so that, you know, that shame isn't found out because we're afraid. And then what happened, the Lord kind of uh, inquired to Adam what happened here. And Adam was like, it was the woman. <laughs> and then he said to the woman, what happened here? And she said, it was the serpent. So shame will blame. And we tend to take whatever's coming our way. You know, I'm feeling bad about this. There's something wrong with me. I will point the finger away from me to dodge this. Somebody else's fault, you know, or it was them, you know, and and that's what shame will do. And so those three types of prisons will keep us from total freedom and they'll keep us from walking, you know, in unity with the Lord and they'll keep us from walking in unity with each other. So pain, pride and shame. So what I'm not saying is that, you know, we can say something like, well, I'm in the process and I still have this sin, but the Lord hasn't conquered that part of my heart yet, so it's okay for me to keep in this. You know, it's, it's not. We want to give everything to the Lord and walk in freedom, walk in, in resisting temptation. You know, Paul addresses this. 
We're not meant to stay in our, our place. He loves us too much to leave us in that prison. He wants to be one with us. He wants to be with us, but we can't be, we can't be with Jesus in prison. I mean, even though he's there, we have to have, in order to be one with him, we have to come out of it so that we can be close with him because he loves us so. He loves us so. And, um, and then I'm also saying that we're not fully saved yet either. You know, I don't want to kind of make statements that, you know, I just want to make sure we're clear that we are fully saved. The Lord, we are, we are, you know, his children. We believe in him. We are saved. But there are parts of our hearts that we're going through the process of sanctification. Does that make sense? Okay. So he is proclaiming liberty to our captive hearts, and he's opening the prison to, to us who in places can be bound. He's giving us beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning. He's giving us praise instead of heaviness. Doesn't that sound so much better? I will let him have my heaviness so that we can be called trees of righteousness. It really reminds me of Ezekiel when he was taken um, by the spirit into this valley of dry bones. And this was a huge, massive place filled with these dry bones. And when you think of what dry bones are, you know, they're, they're, they're laying there all apart and separate, and they're dry, which means there's no life in them whatsoever at all. There's no life. And he has Ezekiel walk and see these dry bones, and he says, you know, I want you to prophesy to these dry bones to live and, and, and to come together and to be filled with the Spirit. And so Ezekiel does that, and he hears the rattling of the bones. <laughs> it's like, man, somebody should make a movie out of this. It's intense. Can you imagine, like, just seeing these, the rattling of these bones and the coming together of them and then sinews and muscles and flesh and them rising up and becoming a vast army? This is what Ezekiel saw. I still am, like, amazed by that picture. And, and the Lord says that they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. And so what got them dry in the first place was their hope was gone. And the Lord wants to restore hope because he's that big. He's that powerful and his love is that profound and rich that it can take driest of dry bones and turn them into a vast army. Not just people who are like, I'm going to go back to my normal life and go do my homework, shopping at Walmart, whatever. A vast army, like they have a purpose, they have a plan. They are ready to fulfill the work of the Lord. It's an army, you know? It's like there's a purpose here. The Lord wants to raise us up for a purpose. And so for those who are hope, I just declare, are hopeless, I just declare hope to you. God is that big. Or portions of our heart that might be hopeless, you know. So then <clears throat> Jesus comes. You know, he's born. He, he, you know, is raised up and he is baptized by John. The Holy Spirit goes on him. He is, you know, the father says, this is my son. He goes out into the wilderness. He's tempted by Satan. And then the first thing he does is he goes into his own city, Nazareth, and he pulls out Isaiah 61. He says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he says, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And this is his statement of, of his basically plan, his 
vision, the thing that he's stepping into and he's going to do. And as his kids, you know, when he says, go and make disciples of all nations, this is our job description. You know, we are to heal the brokenhearted. We are to set the captives free, open the prison. We are to do that. And um, he's talking not just to the Israelites. He's talking about the whole world. The whole world can, can be saved by the Lord, every, every person. So God um, revealed something to me, and um, we were spending time, and he took me by the hand, and he led me to this kind of cliff-type thing. And in the sky, he just opened up this picture to me, and it was really graphic and, and hard and powerful. And um, I'm just going to share it with you. He, it was this massive, uh, basically like a picture that looked to me a lot like the Holocaust. And there were just bodies, dead bodies just piled high. And there was a line of people who were alive and in line, basically like you see in Holocaust pictures. And there was armed guards on either side of the line, you know, making sure they stayed in. And these people were just kind of in line, kind of walking to their fate, which was this pile of dead bodies. And I just had this understanding that this is a picture that's always before the Lord. He sees it all the time. It's not something that he is not aware of. It's always there. And he just, you know, took an opportunity to reveal it to me right then. And, um, and then I had this understanding that at any point, anyone could walk up to take someone that was in the line by the hand and pull them out of that line. I knew that some people wouldn't leave the line, and I knew that some people would. And, but, it, you know, it was a possibility to just walk up and take someone by the hand and lead them away that they would live. And, and then the Lord turned to me, and, and he took my hand, and we walked away. We turned from the picture. It faded. And he lifted me up in his arms like a child, because I was like a child. He lifted me up in his arms, and he just looked into my eyes with such love and such joy and said, but I have you. And the love and the joy were was so full and unwavering. And yet I knew and I could feel the pain that was so full and unwavering in his heart as well. It was like both fully you know, the pain and, and the heartache in one sense, but the love and the joy in another sense. It wasn't like he was, you know, in two places. I mean, he is in two places at once, but it's like he has full capacity to love without the pain attached to that. It, it was really powerful. And 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 I just, am, I've been so aware lately of how Jesus wants to just rescue his children. He wants to rescue his children that all may live. And, uh, and uh, God is doing something right now where he is stirring his church. You know, and I've, I've spent years, like, caring for the lost in a sense, but to a degree in my heart, you know. But I have been feeling a stirring more in more recent times for his heart for the lost like I never have before. And I just feel like there's a season that's coming and he's preparing the way for his church to rise up and be who she really is meant to be in this area. And um, before Christmas at Breakthrough Prayer, there was a really powerful time we had. And we were praying for salvations. We were praying for the lost. And and it was really powerful. And uh, I saw this vision of 
angels like a river just flowing down and out. And it was they were coming down from heaven. They were going out to the world. They were just constant like a river flowing, just constant angels flowing. And it was like an understanding we had that each angel was basically assigned to a person for salvation. And it was like people who had been praying for people and people who God had, you know, marked. I don't know. I really don't know how it works, but it was just angel after angel, like a river just flowing out. And it was something that the Lord was releasing. And then um, just a few weeks ago, there was another powerful prayer time. And there was such a sense of the fierceness of the love of God. It was so powerful. And and it was so hard to explain, but it was the fierceness of the love of the Lord like I've never experienced before. And it was the lion of the tribe of Judah being released to defend his children. And not that he's not released all the time, but it was like in a measure for right now, he's, he's, he's going after and defending his children and taking them from captivity and um, going after the enemy and in his love, like his powerful, fierce love. Uh, it was it was really powerful because God is tenacious for the hearts of his children. He really is. And I feel like he is taking us and, and he's putting that into us. He's he's putting that same tenacious, fierceness love inside of us. He's shedding it abroad in our hearts because he's grieved for the loss of his children. But he was saying, like, I have my sheep, but my heart is also after the lost ones. Like if you had, you know, four children and one of yours is taken you go after that one child. You do not rest until that one child. Not that you don't love the three others, but you go after the lost ones. And um, he is a roaring lion making vengeance on the enemy. And, uh, and I just feel like, you know, that oneness as we grow in oneness and come out of our prisons and grow in oneness with the Lord, you know, we will see that the world may know. You know, it's, it's, he says that we will be one so that the world may know. And the world will know because our hearts will be fully one with his. We will feel what he feels, and we will understand what he understands, and it will motivate us. And I, and I was thinking about this, and I was feeling like, you know, I know, and I have felt this, and I know that people feel, could feel, even maybe one of the prisons, it's like this guilt or condemnation for not caring more, you know, or not doing something more. Because, you know, so many of us have been in church for a long time, and sometimes our own life can be difficult, let alone trying to care for someone else. And I'm not saying that life isn't wonderful, but I'm just saying sometimes we don't have, you know, it within us to push past our own stuff to reach out to someone else. At least that's how I felt sometimes. And, and I feel like, you know, compassion is something that the Lord gives us, but sometimes compassion can turn into guilt or condemnation when it gets mixed up, basically. When I get, we get our wires crossed. And um, I feel like people who have a lot of compassion have a really tender heart and they can with maybe fear or insecurity or a sense of lacking they might <clears throat> take that tender that tender heart and take on guilt or condemnation really easily and disqualify yourself or or you know you might feel like 
I, you know, have messed up in this area. And then you feel that sense of guilt or condemnation. And I just, I feel like the Lord is, is wanting to say today just to be released and be free and to not have the heaviness of guilt and condemnation on you in this area. And I feel like God wants to kind of break some chains and mentalities of, I don't have what it takes or that I'm not good enough anyway, that guilt, I haven't done it. I haven't reached out. I haven't maybe done even what the Lord has led me to do. All those thoughts, I just feel like the enemy is the accuser. And the Lord is breaking that. And he is affirming who we are. And we do not have to feel that heaviness any longer. Spirit of praise instead of heaviness. So um, we're going to pray for that in a minute. But um, I just feel like God wants to turn guilt back into compassion again. And stir our hearts for compassion. And um, I also just want to bring out my mitt right now. <laughs> this is my softball mitt. And I've had this since I was like maybe 11 or 12. And it is an MTA. It's not a Rawlings or a Wilson or anything. It's an MTA Pro. Does anybody know what MTA Pro MTA stands for? Anybody? <laughs> Evie does. Meyer Thrifty Acres. <laughs> you lived in Michigan very long. Meyer used to be called Meyer Thrifty Acres, for those who don't know. And this was their sports line, MTA Pro. And I got this mitt when I was that age. And I'm telling you what, this is the best mitt. It beats a Wilson or Rawlings any day. Someone from first service told me they had an MTA Pro t-shirt that has lasted like 20 years. <laughs> They're like, it's the best brand. Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? Um, so this mitt has, has seen me through a lot of games, and um, it's been restrung a few times. But I'm telling you what, it's perfectly flexible. I can do whatever with it. But the pocket, it's not too flexible. The pocket is perfectly shaped to catch anything. I call it the vacuum. I can't really play softball without this mitt in particular. Those those games where I had to use someone else's because I didn't have mine, and it was a really rough game, and I the ball bounced off the other person's borrowed mitt because it wasn't the vacuum. I always blame the other person's mitt because the vacuum wasn't there. Anyway, this is my mitt. So I was just thinking, like, we are all in a position on the field. We are all... In a position, I am. I am a center fielder, <laughs> but you might be a second baseman. You might be a pitcher. You might be a catcher. And we all have a different, you know, personality. You might. We all have a different gift mix. We all might have different spiritual gifts. And so, what I do at center field isn't going to look like what you do at second base, or what you do as a pitcher. And but the Lord is throwing things our way. And I really feel like if we look at who we are, what is our spiritual gifts? What has has God given us? He will show us how we can do this Isaiah 61 thing, the, the way that he's meant for us to do it. And everybody's different. And so you don't have to feel like you are supposed to be like the center fielder or the second baseman because you're the catcher. You know, and you have a different way of doing Isaiah 61. But the Lord will lead you and will direct you to what you're meant to do. And our oneness and intimacy with him will, it's basically having the vacuum. (laughs) 
And, and when the Lord throws something your way, you will catch it because you are with the Lord and he's leading and guiding you at your position on the field. So everyone is in a different place. And uh, yeah, I just, I, I just, um, I just want to spend some time praying. And we have a, f- a minute or two, so if you will stand with me, um, I feel like I just want to pray for, you know, that sense of guilt that some of us might feel or condemnation. I want to pray about hopelessness and uh, and anything else that we're feeling. I feel like love. Kathy's Kathy's word about love was really powerful, and um, that that same thing. So, if you want to just hold open your hands, and and uh, I just want to give an opportunity if you uh, have felt condemnation or guilt, especially in the area of maybe caring for or doing something about the lost or the people that the Lord is putting on your heart or um, just in general, I just want to let you have a chance to offer it to the Lord. I know this has been me, and, um, and I just want to take the moment to repent, and we can all do this out loud if you would like to, and just repeat after me and just say, Jesus, I repent, Jesus, I repent. for taking on guilt and condemnation. I pray that you would forgive me, Lord. Wash me clean in your blood. And I ask for forgiveness for any time I did not obey due to fear or insecurity. Yeah, I give it to you, God. You can just give him those things. Just say, Lord, I, I, I ask that you would replace those things with love. Yeah, and I'm just going to pray for you right now. Lord, I just pray that you just uh, affirm, put your affirmation on each one, Lord. That I just thank you, Father, that you are proud of each one of your children, that you see them pure and holy and spotless. And I just bless each one with the knowledge of their acceptance and their approval in you. <laughs> Thank you, God. You are accepted and you are approved by God. And I just uh, pray that each one of us would focus our attention on you and not on ourselves and what we've done wrong, Lord, but we'd focus our attention on you. And I just pray over each one of us that, that we'd be filled with love, that we'd walk out of our prisons, Lord, that we would take your hand, that you'd wash away fear, that you'd wash away pain, Lord, that you would heal us, that you would numb our pain, Lord, that we can be healed by you, that you can go in and get the dirt out of our wound, <laughs> Lord, and that you can heal us, God that you'd fill us up with your love, that you'd fill us up with the knowledge of the Father and all that he is, God, that you would put in our hearts your heart for others, Jesus. Fill us with your love. Shed it abroad in our hearts, deep and wide, Lord, that we will be motivated in every way by love, God. Thank you, God. I pray for each one in their position on the field, Lord, that we would be led and guided by you 
Jesus, that we would move forward in what you've given us to do, God. That we would cover our position well, Lord, that we would catch the things that are thrown our way, that you would make us faithful, good stewards of what you've given us to do, God. But more than that, Jesus, I just pray, God, that we just be motivated and filled with your love and that we would know your love like we've never known it before. Revolutionize our hearts, Jesus. Gird us with truth, Lord. Thank you, God. We bless you. In Jesus' name, amen.